Blog Talk Radio. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Blog or to uh, Voice in the Wilderness online radio show where we talk about Bible prophecy, current events, geopolitics, ancient history, and many other subjects. Politics. Um, it all ties together, folks. <clears throat> We're living in those days um, before Jesus' return. We know that, according to the Bible, Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation, not before the tribulation. The Bible is very clear about that. Um, so we know to uh, get your heart right, get your soul prepared for the days ahead, um, get some supplies and food stocked up. Um, because the Bible does say to do that. A wise man, Proverbs says, sees the evil and hideth himself. Or in other words, prepares. He he puts himself in a safe place by preparing through preparation. And the wicked or the simple pass on, it says, and are if you know that if, if you can discern the time and the hour that we're in then uh, if, if you have any brains at all, you'll want to be prepare, preparing. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about um, the eclipse, the 40-day period of Teshuvah, which means repentance in Hebrew, um, and how it leads up to the Day of Crumpets and the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement is uh, the most holy of all Jewish holidays, um, where everyone in Israel would fast, and um, uh, they they would have to be completely right with God in order to be able to survive this day. Otherwise, um, they would be cut off. They would be damned uh, if they weren't right with God. So this is a period of trial and testing, and God is getting our attention by sending this eclipse all the way across our country. Um and also by sending these natural disasters uh, to try to get our attention. And uh, I think it's it's got the attention of a little bit of the body of Christ, but it still hasn't got people's attention to the degree um, God to spare this nation. Uh, what do you think about this, Dad? Well, I <clears throat> I agree with you 100% that he's going to... Uh... It's like birthing pains. So, you know, they're going to intensify. They're going to intensify up until, you know, he'll allow that rather than men to lose their souls. Um, Everybody's clamoring and trying to get uh, for themselves what they can out of this world. And it is a battle. You know, it's tough. You know, we, we on one hand, we need money to pay bills and to survive, but then there are those on the other end of the spectrum that are just, you know, they're willing to, you know, step on the backs of others to, to grab um, for themselves. And, you know, I, I hate to be the one to remind everybody out there, but uh, you don't take any of it with you. That's one thing we all have in common when we die. And 
people need to hear this, so I'm going to say it. It's not a very popular thing, and and I guess I just don't worry about popularity, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. You're going to die. And, uh, you know, it's appointed once for man to die. And and so that's coming for all of us. And uh, stacking up treasures on this earth is going to do nothing for you because your life is but a vapor and you're going to end up with a bunch of stuff that you can't take with you. So, you know, for those that have a lot of stuff, um, and have a lot of money, I would encourage you to do something, uh, righteous with that, uh, treasure while you have the chance. Um, and just a reminder for those that, are working hard and and barely getting by. I think that there's honor in that. Um, God sees um, your your true efforts of working, laboring, and uh, and and you have to give thanks because you're not in the food lines. Uh, you do have a roof over your head. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, that's what I have to say now for those that are just uh, lost and uh, just dumbing to death. He's going to continue to bring the, the, the earth into travail. And uh, I hope at whatever point it takes, if you've stumbled across this broadcast and, and you just don't have a belief in God or faith, that uh, I, I hope that uh, you'll remember this conversation and, and as the earth is shaking, that you would get on your knees and repent before a holy God. That's uh, the most important thing I can say tonight. Amen. Amen. Repentance is key. Without repentance towards God, there can be no salvation. There has to be repentance first of your sins and then asking Jesus to come into your heart and be your Savior. So if you're listening to this and you're not saved, like my dad said, all you got to do is get down on your knees, repent, ask him to forgive you of your sins, and ask him to come into your heart and be your Savior, and then walk with him uh, there on out and you will be saved. And also, the way that you know you're saved is that you hear God's voice. If you don't hear God's voice, then the Holy Spirit isn't in you. So, But then once you get saved and you hear God's voice, it's, it's comforting. It reassures you every time that you hear the Lord speak to you in a supernatural way that you are a child of God. And so... Just make sure and do that if you're if you're not saved. Uh, moving on to um, some news here that just happened today, I believe. Um, a man from Sudan, uh, 25 years old, walked into a church in Tennessee today and opened fired and killed one person and wounded eight other people. And this man was a member of Black Lives Matter. Okay, so don't be saying that uh, Black Lives Matter is any good because, you know, some people think that it's a good thing to go and and kill cops so that they can stop the police brutality. Well, that's not going to do any good. Uh, You know, using fighting fire with fire and and uh, just getting the cops even more uh, ticked off and trigger-happy. But anyways, uh, this guy was stopped by 
one of the ushers in the church who was packing. And so, um, you know, this is just a, a sign of the times of how divided our country is, uh, how much the world hates the church. Um, you know, it's just crazy. They don't know what this guy's um, what this guy's motives were exactly. Why he did this? Uh, the the woman that he killed was outside of the church, and then he uh, walked inside and started shooting people, and uh, wounded eight. Um, and I guess the uh, the guy that was packing uh, came up to this dude and uh, pulled out his gun and pistol whipped him on the head and then uh after that this black guy shot himself in the head and killed himself um so you know this um this should really be a wake up call you know if you're if you're not already packing you really should think about getting your concealed weapons permit and start packing because we live in a dangerous world Wouldn't you say? Well, <clears throat> you know, I'm around a lot of different people groups. But uh, even more so different circles that I'm in, that I move around in. Um, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of people that shouldn't pack. Um, they're drinking, they're doing drugs. Um, I, I don't... You know, if you're, let's put it this way, if you're, can I just uh, qualify what you said by saying, if you're a born-again believer in Christ, you should be packing. Um, You know, you have your faculties, you have discernment, you're not drinking, you're not doing drugs, because the last thing I want are crazies out there packing. There's plenty of them already, but I would Mm -hmm. say this Black Lives Matter should be... um, you know, a, a, a D, a D should be in that D B L M because it's devils. Uh, these people have devils, they have demons. And if, if you're going to join a group like that, you better evaluate your willingness to align with demons. Because if you don't already have a demon, when you join these groups, there's more than likely you will, uh, inherit uh, the spirit of which is in that group, which is devils. So I'm, I'm not even joking. If you're hearing my voice and you hear this, you know, you think this guy's joking. I'm not joking. You join uh, organizations that are killing people. You have joined the devil's legion of demon warfare. Um, so, you know, you can make a choice and you can come over to the other side and be in the uh, Lord's army, you know, and we don't kill people. Uh, but but let it be known, I want to I wanna be the first one that tells you folks that are in those groups that Christians aren't wimps. You're going you're gonna to run into some Christians, like at this church, um, that gentleman that pistol whipped him, first of all, shows that he had the, the Lord's spirit in him. He didn't want to just fight fire with fire like my son said but he's armed 
and he pistol whipped him and he and he neutralized him and you know what you're going to find out if you're going to start messing with the churches that you're going to find there's some anointed men that will put the whoop on you you know and and the fact that he shot himself in the head after that just shows that he was demon possessed the devil destroys all of his emissaries and all of his workforce um that's the difference between the people in the lord's army is that in the end we win and we have eternal life so i mean just evaluate the 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 choices you have our deal is a much better deal we got come over to our side the benefits are eternal life um you think you're tough and you're on the the lord's army killing people the 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 reward or the bounty for that is death it just doesn't sound like a, a, a hard decision to make, but I do re- realize that it's spiritual, so we're going to pray for you right now. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just pray that supernaturally that you could break the curse over all, all sort of uh, numbers of men and women, even children, that uh, are believing a lie tonight, that you, uh, in your power, through our prayers, would move mightily uh, against the deception that is on the masses and uh, that it would be broken off, even if it was only for a minute, that your truth then could touch their heart. And um, for the people that were injured in that church, uh, my heart goes out to you. Um, You are not forgotten. You're in our prayers, and and you're going to live to another day this soldier of hell is dead and uh um, it, it's a tragic thing and we need to consider the the tragic end of this man's life can you imagine folks i want you to imagine with me if you would in the midst of this prayer what has to go through someone's head to walk into a church of people singing god's praises and kill them Uh, We're dealing now with darkness, and Father, we see it. We ask that your light would shine down in different spots of this dark world that people might get saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Well, do you think that that, um, the believers are going to start to pray and repent? Um, if another big uh, disaster comes or before this 40-day period is over, which we have about a week left? I I wish I knew the answer to that. I think that there are some that are awake now and seeing what's happening, and I think that the number of those that I've talked to um, are probably, I'm not going to say repenting, but they're praying. So uh, prayer and repentance is, uh, is similar, but not the same. Why don't you explain to them the difference? Well, prayer is just talking to God and, and praying about situations and asking him for different things. But, um, Repentance is turning away from your sin and really changing your uh, lifestyle. Um, so it's it's quite different. Um, and I have seen 
I have seen some Christians uh, in my life wake up a bit since this 40-day period started. Uh, One ministry that we go to, men's ministry, I've heard the leader of it talk about um, that World War III could happen and talk about how our nation is... Uh, seems to be under judgment, uh, which I never would have expected him to talk about any of those things. So I can see that a minority of the church is kind of waking up from this and kind of starting to see, you know what, this, you know, having um, two huge hurricanes in one year that are so uh, just massive and destructive, it's just not normal. They're, They're seeing that something is going on. But I don't think it's reached the point yet where enough of the body of Christ has realized it to where we could see uh, nationwide repentance among believers. And I don't know if I've mentioned it yet or not, but according to Second Chronicles 7.14, it says that if my people shall uh, seek my face and pray and mm-hmm. humble themselves and repent... Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. So really coming to that realization has been very uh, comforting for me because, you know, if uh, if the entire everybody in the entire nation had to repent um, or a majority of everyone, uh, unbeliever and believer, there really wouldn't be any chance that God no. could forgive us and, and give us more time. But I have hope that if enough, just enough of the body of Christ will really start to pray for America and repent, that we could have a bit more time. But if we don't see that, then I think we we are really going to start to see this country fall apart. And, uh, you know, as we talked about on this show before, you know, um, uh, there's many ways that World War III could start, um, you know, pretty soon. Uh, I'm not saying for sure that it's going to start tomorrow or next week or next year or anything. I have no idea exactly when it's going to start, but, you know, we have constantly for the past, you know, 10 years or so, uh, NATO's been doing exercises right on the border of Russia, trying to provoke them to uh, be aggressive and do something. We have the war in Syria, um, the U.S. creating ISIS, you know, leaving all of our uh, military equipment and money in the bank right there in uh, Ramada, Iraq. Um, And we have the situation with North Korea, which if we go to war with North Korea... Uh, we will probably be dragged into a war with China as well. And uh, also, North Korea has uh, an EMP weapon that could easily be mounted on uh, one of their satellites that flies right over the the uh, Midwest um, all the time. And so, you know, if we got hit by an EMP, this this country would never recover from that. Um, you know, we just wouldn't be able to. 90% experts predict that 90% of the population um, 
would die from that. You know, people, most people wouldn't be smart enough to grow their own food and, and live off the land and survive. And, you know, it would just be absolute chaos. We'd be brought back to the stone age. So, um, uh, let's talk a little bit. Uh, tell them about. How about you? Uh, let me talk Trump's... a second. That's what I was uh, just saying. I was. I want to add to it, though. You know, before you shift gears, I've got a couple okay. things I want to say. Um, one of the things that's not being talked about that's really a big issue is the fact that we still run ISIS in Syria and uh, Russia and its allies are. There, there's a very small armament of ISIS left. They're just about ready to be wiped out. And we have declared that we will defend them with air cover to protect them. I just found that, you know, this is kind of interesting for those of you that didn't think that we ran Al-Qaeda or ISIS. Um, it's now kind of out if you do a little research that we're uh, trying to give them air cover. So that, that's pretty crazy stuff. That should really wake you up to the lies that you've been under if you believe uh, in this war on terror. The next thing I want to cover real quick, and I'm doing a little study on it, um, but it's kind of things don't really normally freak me out. It's kind of freaking me out that it's illegal in a lot of, uh, in a lot of states now to be homeless. And uh, I can't prove it as of yet, but I'm getting some very uh, interesting uh, information from believable sources that the the rounding up of homeless people and the extinction of people, putting them to sleep, if you will. I'm not going to go into how they do it, but they can just be said, well, they're a flood victim. Okay, think about it. What an easy way if you want to reduce that uh, homeless number. Uh, or or just are into death in general, which uh, uh, FEMA, if you think that that's a great organization. Also, uh, large uh, cargo vessels that look like huge living quarters that had been said to be places of refuge look to be uh, being used as uh, jails. So... Anyways, those two things before you move on, those are those are kind of uh, scary topics, but we'll we'll have to touch back on them when I have more validation of their, uh, you know, authenticating it the best I can. But so far, what I've heard looks pretty damning. Yeah, and you know they can get rid of these homeless people without anyone uh, really saying anything or or really. Um, giving a darn because these homeless people pretty much have no friends or family. I mean, maybe they have family, but, you know, they really don't keep in touch with family, I don't think. I mean, they can just disappear and no one really notices. Uh, But anyways, uh, uh, Eric is uh, called into the show. Uh, How's it going, Eric? Hey, Dakota, I'm well. How are you guys? Good. Excellent. Yeah, Rick, I was listening to what you were saying about the homeless people, and it reminded me of what our pastor at uh, church said about the Houston hurricane relief, that 80 to 90% of it was coming from um, Christians 
Christian organizations, and it really kind of blew my mind because it's supposedly FEMA is spending a million dollars a day on hurricane relief right now in Texas. And um, it'd be really interesting just to see where that money's going if if what our pastor said was true. Yeah, it seems to be uh, it seems to be being used to set up their FEMA infrastructure, which uh, you know, as you peel it back like an onion, it, it looks as if it's uh, these disasters are being used as uh, dry runs, if you will, of uh, the collection of people. Uh, the you know, obviously the destruction of property. So there's just there's just so many levels of this that uh, are. It's been a long time since it topic freaked me out but when i heard that they were trying to uh not trying to when i heard that they were implementing taxes to to move back into your home in other words you'd have to go through basically a process that would deem that home livable again and a a lot of people hear that and go well that makes sense you know no the government needs to stay out of it these people can can knock the drywall out of their houses and they can repair their homes and they can move back in. The government has, it seems an agenda from keeping that from happening because um, these people cannot afford to go through a whole permitting process again to get back in their homes. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's, I don't know. It's like so many other conversations that we've had before that it's like the government being a business, it. It always needs, it never wants to downsize, you know, it never wants to give the money back or re reallocate the funds that it receives. So if FEMA gets X amount of dollars, you know, every year in their budget, then they find ways to spend that. And then sometimes they find ways to go over budget just to help propagate themselves up for the next year, you know, the next budget round or whatever. And so you wonder, like, these people... You're right. People are smart. People are self-sufficient. And with, with private charity organizations willing to come in, like um, uh, it's Habitat for Humanity or YWAM or any of these other uh, Samaritan's Purse, any of these private organizations, if they come in and they you know supplement those costs with helping people rebuild and relocate or whatever their needs are, you kind of have to wonder, like, okay, what, where is this FEMA money going? You know, like, are they are – they, are they over over legislating um you know their the process of rebuilding just to have something to do you know so to speak and it really is kind of like yeah what you know it's it's sad to think how many tax dollars we could be saving if we just dial the government's involvement back well yeah i agree with you 100% but i guess i should divulge a little bit more of what i'm hearing from ex military credible sources that FEMA is absolutely doing what everyone was uh, being labeled as a conspiracy for saying about Walmarts and uh, certain locations being used as uh, FEMA shopping holding malls. centers, shopping malls. All of that is happening in this uh, and being reported in. What's coming back from these uh, ex-military guys that were over there uh, trying to volunteer is that this is set up um, – it's very highly uh, organized and um, it's not being used to rescue people. Okay. Um, so anyways, and I, and I guess I'll, I don't mean to uh, just dump that all on you and say, that's a fact. I mean, we all have to research this and look into it, but I think what you're going to find, if you look into it, it's pretty troubling. 
Yeah, I could I could agree with you there. Yeah, and uh, the problem is is that they have a pretext to be able to move into Texas and Florida um, during these floods, and then they can just leave all of their uh, infrastructure there and never leave. Yeah, it seems like there's two. Uh, I've heard reported that there's two parts of Houston now: an inhabited power on part and a part that is uh, no power, totally abandoned from from uh, law and order. Um, this is just absolutely uh, frightening. What happens at the the onset of uh, of these situations? They're weather events, but they turn into um, a lawless. I mean, there the stories that, you know, guys going house to house looting uh, um, as they're advertising themselves to be there to rescue them. I mean, can you think of anything more evil than that? And uh, this is going on in, in this part of Houston that is uninhabitable, but there's people still there uh, with no power, uh, no law and order. It's not being reported. These things aren't even talk, talked about in the news at all. So there's there's definitely a lot of things at play here um and it's going to take a while to get to the bottom of them but I, it, it it is a little bit uh it, it is a little bit troubling especially if and i i just hear again i hope i'm wrong but if people are being eliminated uh the talk of uh uh different states and uh some of these disaster states are are states that it is illegal on the books law illegal to be homeless Wow. Um, <laughs> so that's crazy. Yeah, and, you know, it kind of reminds me of, of Katrina a little bit because we, everybody knew it was a big buzz on the internet that after Katrina hit um, back, what was that? Mm, what? Nine years ago. Yeah. Something like that. They didn't use the FEMA camps that were there for the refugees. They were packing them into schools and into college campuses and into any large auditorium-sized building. Mm-hmm. But these FEMA camps that, they, that were right in the area that were supposedly for disaster relief weren't being used at all. Um, and so that really brought up a lot of red flags for people about, okay, what, you know, why the heck are these things here? You know, if, you're not, if you've spent millions and millions of dollars on them and you're not using them, why are they here? And I'd be interested to see how – similar facilities were used down in Houston, Houston recently, if they actually even used, you know, these, uh, these stations and camps that they've been spending all this time and money setting up. Wow. What were you going to say, Dakota? Oh, um, we got some, uh, some more news here that, uh, Hurricane Maria could possibly, um, hit somewhere from New York to the Carolinas uh, pretty soon and bring seven foot waves. Wow. So that's a possibility. You know, you know, the thing that surprised me today was, uh, you know, I did everything in my power, which is, is pretty, pretty small. I realized, but I was trying to tell people, you know, the world's not ending on, on the 23rd, but you know, what equally was frustrating was today so many people that I had talked with or had interactions with were like, well, we survived the 23rd, nothing happened. And, you know, the furthest thing from the truth that nothing happened um, 
we're we're in a process. I mean, you know, people are. I'm I'm kind of troubled even with some of my Christian uh, friends or people that I know. Unless there's something cataclysmic touching them personally, everything's good to go. And and you know, I think we need to be as Christians a little bit more concerned with our brothers and sisters uh, uh, and the events that are touching them because. I just I I don't think we es- we escape it here in the Northwest. I mean, we need to be we need to be on our knees, on our face before the Lord. I I really believe that. Well, yeah, and the thing of it is is that uh if you don't pray for other people, then God's not going to allow other people to be praying for you when you need it. So, if That's we're what not I crying think. out to if we're not crying out to God to be with these people in the Middle East and Africa and other countries where in China where Christians are being killed and tortured and and beat up and persecuted, then uh, they're not going to pray for us when we need it when we're being persecuted. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. What are your thoughts on the on the uh, persecuted church, Eric? Well, the persecuted church, um, I think, is largely overseas. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're we're kind of just asleep here at home. You know, the church needs yeah. to wake up. Thankfully, the three of us have found a church that is that is mostly mostly on target. Um, mm-hmm. But what people need to stop doing is is um, they need to cross that comfort zone with God and and get into topics and ideas where where um things are not comfortable and things are not easy and things are not um uh for lack of a better term utilitarian um like uh, this whole you know this whole tolerance bs thing that's hitting hitting our church culture that this this religious inclusion of everybody i mean we all know that it's just going to be it's going to be tied into the B system. It's going to be this, mm-hmm. like it's, there isn't going to be this big question of assimilate or die for the American church, because a large part of them will be assimilated already. You know, it's just, it's mm-hmm. going to happen and seem very natural. Um, wow. So we, we really, people aren't, people are frustrated because they don't see the spirit move. And if they don't, they don't see the spirit move because they're still in spiritual infancy in the word and then their studies and then their relationship with Jesus. So if you want maturity and you want the meat and you want the results, then you have to get into those uncomfortable issues and let God work on you in a way that, that is going to make you stand up for him. Um, and that, that's really where the, where the line is drawn is that it's not, you don't become this, you know, and, and not that I'm a super Christian or anything, but you don't become a super Christian overnight you know it's a process he process that he's guiding you through and it's a trust relationship um Mm -hmm. and so when you when he when you are pushed into those uncomfortable situations of having to trust him more then you start to see real fruit in your life um fruit of of fruit that's actually worth um talking about fruit that fruit that is actually a testimony and which is cool because then it kind of builds momentum, you know what I mean? And you're not mm-hmm. defending this God to your to your friends and family and to the people around you that you barely know. 
but you have some meat, you have something substantial to say, Hey, no, you know, I needed this and God was here for me. Right. You know, I needed mm-hmm. this and, and God provided, um, or like Dakota was saying, like I was in a trouble, but I had spent, you know, X amount of days being obedient and praying for somebody that God had told me to, told me to pray for. And now, now I feel like I'm getting that back in return because now when I'm in trouble, I know people are praying for me and I know that it's helping me through this situation. So, amen. We just, amen. Yeah. We just, we need to get out of this spiritual entitlement, you know, thing that we're in. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I had, uh, I'll tell you, I don't know if this adds to or goes with that at all, but I think it does. Uh, in the spirit, I, you know, sometimes, <laughs> Sometimes I do things in the ministry or uh, things that I just I feel like I'm supposed to do, and sometimes it's frustrating because I don't see the fruit. Um, but the truth is, it takes patience <laughs> because uh, when God does show you uh, a little bit of that uh, fruit or gives you that fruit, it's so worth waiting for. Um, I had that at this. Uh, you know, this, uh, they, they put a meal on for the community in Everson and I've been going to it and, uh, I, I just really didn't know where I fit into it or, or what, but I felt like being, it was in my town, I needed to go. And today, one of the guys that's got a heart for the, for the, uh, for the town, for the community happens to be my insurance agent. Anyway, he, he drove by our little church and, and he thought of me and, and he began to pray for me. And I, I, I tell you, when I heard that, I can't even describe to you, you know, we, we often have these ideas of what we think God's doing or the direction that we're going to go for God. But, you know, when he reveals himself to us in something as powerful as he's got somebody prompted to pray for you, I mean, you know how huge that is. Uh, um, and I, I don't even know if that makes sounds like it makes sense, but it just did for me. And then today at that rally, I was at, there's so much lovelessness in the world right now that God revealed to me, and and I know it's in you two brothers, uh, is that because we love the Lord and because it's important to us to read his word or hear his word, and and we're really trying to, there's a light in us, and, and, and people, when we say hello, I tell you, I said hello to four or five people today. And they were just kind of blown away because they could see that I have love, that I, I actually cared. Hey, how's it going? And, and so I guess what I'm saying, I'd like to get your input, both of you. Um, isn't it amazing how we are becoming that light? I never really understood exactly what that was going to look like. It turns out what it looks like is us just the world getting darker and and uh, God's light just shining brighter uh, in the midst of it. What do you th- guys think of that? I think uh, that's, Dakota, you want to take awesome. that one first? Okay. Yeah, um, I think that's awesome. Um, you know, uh, this world is going to continue to get darker and darker. And, uh, you know, we have to... Uh, stay true to our convictions and not compromise and uh, just people will see uh, that when everyone else is being totally wicked and evil and sinful they'll 
if we don't compromise, they'll see that that uh, we've stayed the same. And hell uh, yeah, yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's huge, man. I mean, the, the, it's uh, the compromise thing is, um, it's it's much more of an issue than than a lot of people you know recognize, and I think that is because, um, well, at least in uh, the the dating world, um, you know, being a single Christian guy in America is not the greatest place to be these days, um, but. That being said, it's that when you when you feel when you you have this light in you, you know, and and you're in the and you're in the world and you're talking to people and they see something different about you. They see that it's it's very you know whether it's a business deal or a first date you're trying to get or a job you're trying to land or you know um, anything that you're trying any any temporal or not. I, I don't like the world the word worldly, but it's you know it's a temporal lesser issue than the gospel. Um, you have, it, it calls you to a level of integrity that you have to check yourself. And if you're not in the word with God, and if you're not praying continually, it's almost like this, this peace and this power and this light that you have within you can kind of, um, people can, if, if, if people can try to like use it against you, if you do something wrong, um, and brand you with it. And so it, you can't, it, it kind of motivates me to, to be like, well, I, I can't turn left or right on, you know, uh, I can't fudge a corner here or cut a corner here or tell a white lie here because I, I have a testimony and something, you know, I, I need to represent Christ to the people in this world. Right. So it just calls you to that, to that higher level of integrity. Um, and it's, it's very when you start to see some fruit and some momentum in your life about God working, you really kind of notice it. Like, man, there's some there's some weight behind this this you know these decisions that I'm making. And if I make a, a sinful or a selfish decision, it could really impact somebody very negatively. Amen. Amen. So true. Yeah, the world is just waiting for us to make a mistake. And that's the tough thing is that they hold us to such a high standard to which we need to hold ourselves, but they don't realize that we're still not perfect people. But if, if we, if we make even a little mistake, then they can say, see, I got you. Yeah. I think how you stay out of that, how we stay out of that cycle. And this is new, a new learning for me. Um, I I was really um, kind of hesitant on the whole love thing. I know you got to, you know, I, I knew I genuinely love people, but uh, there's another level, you know, where you look somebody in the eye and when you ask them how they're doing, you really mean it. And you're prepared if it isn't the, the, the program response and they actually begin to tell you uh, some things that are kind of sloppy and messy that most people don't want to hear or be bothered with, that you can stay with that conversation and stay with that person in prayer, regardless of how long that first contact was. And, and, and that's uh, what combats that, uh, that deal where they're just kind of looking at you for, for failure because you're a Christian. 
Um, that is kind of new to me, uh, God dealing with me, um, with, uh, uh, a gentleman that, that we all know, I'm not going to say his name. I think it'd be fair to not say his name. Anyways, he, he really demonstrated love. And, you know, the funny thing was, is that the last time we saw him, I think we were all together. I could be wrong, but it seemed like we were all together and yeah, we were. And there was some doctrinal stuff that we didn't necessarily agree on, but the bottom line is he is, God is using him with a simple outpouring of love and, and a desire to get people saved. And, you know, I have heard that my whole entire life, you know, that it, that it's important for us to get people saved, but I don't think at any other point of time in my life, have I come to the conclusion now that it is, it is, it is time to be asking people, uh, are you saved? Um, I, I just, I, I just don't think that if we, uh, regardless of what the three of us may have three different views on, on what we think the season of, of time is left, it could be, I think that there's still quite a bit of time left. I, I, I certainly don't think, uh, maybe as much time as most, but, uh, let's say just for, for saying that it was seven years. Uh, let's say that there was seven years left. Wouldn't you say, and I could be wrong, there could be 70 years left. You know what I mean? I, I don't think so. But but if it was seven, are you willing to meet the Lord and all of these people that we have on our hearts that we know aren't saved, if we would have just asked them, are you saved? Uh, if... 10%, 15% of them ended up opening up and say, I'd like to be saved. And you prayed with them and they confessed Jesus and they repented. Um, anyways, that's a real challenge for me. I, I hope that the three of us are challenged with that going into the, uh, the fall and winter months of 2017, that we would be bold, even if it's just one person, uh, if God prompts us, I, I believe it has to be a prompting from the Lord, to to uh to reach out um that will that will do that and 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 I'll just say this and I'll shut up but wouldn't that be exciting that if if the three of us got two additional people into the church that we're in that we know is a good church man this is a good church we we should we should be confident about bringing somebody into the church and uh, that they'll they'll hear uh, a message that'll build them up in Christ, and and I would be thrilled that uh, six more people would be sitting in that. I think that's a wonderful challenge. I, I think we ought to challenge each other like that, if, without it being you know I don't want it to be a <laughs> uh, some sort of a game or anything, but because uh, it's pretty serious. What do you guys think about that? Wouldn't it be awesome if we could uh, before the year's up when with Jesus involved with it, obviously uh, six souls get saved. Well, I think that Amen. I think that that's a, an, an awesome challenge, um, and it ties right back into what you guys were saying about prayer. That if we're not praying for these people, um, you know, a lot of nothing's going to happen. And so it, yeah. it starts it starts with prayer, and that's exactly where our pastor lands on, is that mm-hmm. we, you know, you Dakota, myself, and everybody else 
um, aside from maybe a handful of people like Paul on the road to Damascus. And even then I'm not sure, but the only reason is that somebody is saved is because somebody was praying for him. Yeah. Amen. And, and so it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge on a place to start, you know, about, and then, and then there is that follow through God's going to put you in that uncomfortable position of, yeah. Hey, you, you're going to have to reach out to this person if he prompts you. Um, because man, it's, it's like the balls and the balls on the field at that point. And, mm-hmm. um, as much as I don't watch sports, um, <laughs> the analogy fits that, I mean, it's, it's, it's either a point for God or a point for the enemy, depending on, on what decision you make. But I was also even in, moved. Even in those, even in those tough decisions are the failures aren't final. I mean, glory to God. Yeah, Dakota, you comment. I just want to say before you comment, Dakota, that uh, one of the things I noticed today, um, you know, I was I was in a, a spot that possibly could have been compromised. I was at a motorcycle rally. Well, I love to ride bike, and and I had a really good time. But we, I had discernment, and we uh, we prayed right over our meal there in front of uh, the mob, you know, and. And uh, the discernment was to eat your bowl of soup and get out of town. There was too many people there, but but I, I was able to impact a few people with just a smile and, a, and an authentic. But my point is that I want to make is that, and I got to be careful with this, but I saw something today that I've always known, but I saw it in a whole new way. This thing with football has turned into an absolute abomination. I, I in a, in a Forgive me, I'm not saying I'm against you guys having recreation or watching a sport, but let me tell you, it is fair to say, with my own eyes, I've witnessed people that have taken this sport to a, to a level beyond uh, a sport. And I don't even know how to – it's their God. So back to you, Dakota. Yeah, that's very true. And I just read on, on the Internet here that uh, – at the last game of the Pittsburgh Steelers, every single guy on the football team uh, was in the locker room during the uh, national anthem, and, the, and there was wow. only one guy. There was only one guy who stood out on the field and put his hand on his heart during the wow. uh, national anthem, and that is Army Ranger veteran. Alejandro, Alejandro Villanueva, and he was the only dude on the Pittsburgh Steelers that would stand for the national anthem. Lord have mercy. Yeah, I think that there's definitely that is definitely telltaling of some uh, some priority shifts in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw an advertisement in a in a magazine a few months back that said football is your religion on Sunday build yourself a wonderful church or something along those lines and of course it was for a television or entertainment center that they were trying to advertise and uh, yeah man it's just it's sick and it's sad and um, it's kind of a joke (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah you know I've seen some glimpses of the uh, the early church um, I've, I've listened to some music that, uh, I think if it wouldn't cause you to, to, uh, want to stand to your feet and even dance. And, and it was the, the early, uh, melody 
um, kind of the uh, barbershop quartet almost sound. I hate to use that analogy, but but they were singing a uh, 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 gospel music in such a fashion that uh, it was just there was a joy that came with it that you couldn't help but miss. And and I I uh, I, I I think God's giving me slowly. It it isn't anything instant, but He's slowly giving me glimpses of of what the church could be and and could you imagine i'm just dreaming here but could you imagine a church that was in its full glory of you know praising the lord in such a fashion of that kind of music and uh, the anointed preaching that that would take the eyes off the tv set uh off the football game and and uh, I mean, you see it in kids' hearts. I had my grandkids to your baptism, and uh, I know you were busy, obviously, and and that. But I was sitting there watching my my grandkids, and and uh, there was some songs that we sang. A song while you guys were even in the water, I believe, and you could just see the kids' eyes light up. They just recognized that it was good, that it was holy. And it was worth stopping, skipping a rock off the side of the bank to, to witness. Amen. So <laughs> that's the kind of church I want to be in. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, amen, I, brother. <laughs> and I believe, awesome. I believe, I believe, I think we all share the same thought that God's going to pour His Spirit out on us in the end days. And uh, if if we can avoid compromise and and we can be challenged to win souls and fill the church according to these people that God's going to give us to to uh, maybe even get our hands dirty a bit, you know, muddy, uh, it, it, it make our lives more complicated and tougher, there's no doubt. But the reward is huge that we could all be, uh, be, part, be that church, you know, be that light that's not hidden but up on the, uh, up on the hill. Yeah, amen, man. That's a good challenge. Like to hear that bell ring in the church, you know. I I don't know. I I'm I'm really when it comes to church stuff, you notice I don't even get up and read a scripture cuz I know me. I can get uh fired up and I'd start preaching. Uh but so I kind of keep my mouth shut there. Um but I I I'd, I'd like to inquire about that bell getting rung. You know the shofar. What about taking that shofar out the door? How yeah. about blowing that shofar out the door? And uh, I don't know. I want some things to happen. And and I'm not uh, when God gives us little promptings of things we could do or be a part of. Yeah, it'd be good to do it. Amen. Yeah, and I think uh, yep. I think it starts uh, a good place to start is like you were saying with prayer. God's guidance and um, just helping, having our eyes be open, you know, helping, helping us to see the benefits and see the the sin and the, the worthlessness that, that sin is, you know, and just a, a deeper perspective on calling good good and evil evil. Right. I like that song, Open the, uh, open the Eyes of Our Heart, Lord. Remember that song? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Classic. The, that's a good that's a good uh, hymn. I got to say today I visited another church. <laughs> and, uh, 
something real wonderful comes out of that, you know, is the the desire to return to my own. <laughs> uh, all yeah. you got to do is, I mean, it's funny because uh, I realize I have a little different perspective on it, but uh, the only time the Bible was picked up was at the end for like a an encore. There was nothing read out of it, but it was just held on to to assure the folks that were a Bible-believing church. <laughs> I'm not, so, uh, I'm not honestly not making fun of them, but but there's a big difference of uh, waving a uh, Bible around for uh, theatrics and and actually uh, uh, hearing a word that's being preached out of it. Amen. So uh, yeah, really thank thankful for that too. Like you said, that we have a good church. Yep. Amen. Yeah, um, me too. I wanted to read something really quick. It's it's just really short from uh, a book called uh, The World on Fire, The Welsh Revival and Its Lessons for Our Time by Rick Joyner. And uh, I've been reading this book and just reading about the people um, like Evan Roberts, the guy that started this revival, and other people in the revival, just the amount of of prayer that they did every day, the dedication um, that they had, and uh, just when this revival broke out, it was crazy. It was like they would have a church service, and people would stay till like five or six in the morning, and then people wouldn't even go to work the next day, and they would just stay and and keep praying even longer. And people would go and and just spontaneously march down the middle of the street and just sing praises and and preach the word. But anyways, um, I'm just gonna read. Uh, Something here real quick. Uh, The four tenets. This was to become the foundational message of the revival as they later became known as the four points. These were the four essential conditions that Evan believed were required before revival could come. They were, number one, all sin must be confessed to God and repented of. The church has to be cleansed. The Lord's bride would be without spot, so there would be no room for compromise with sin. If there is anything in our lives about which there is even doubt as to whether it is good good or evil, then cast it off. Number two, there must be no cloud between the believer and God. Have you forgiven everybody? If not, don't expect forgiveness for your own sins. The scripture is clear we cannot be forgiven until we have forgiven. Unforgiveness separates us from God. Three, we must obey the Holy Spirit. Do what the Spirit prompts you to do. Prompt, implicit, unquestioning obedience to the Spirit is required if we are going to be used by Him. Number four, there must be public confessions of Christ as Savior. This is not just a one-time incident after our salvation experience or baptism. For the Christian, it is a way of life. Evan also believed that there was a difference between confession and profession. What do you think of that? I think it's a good place to start. Yeah, I Definitely. I think that uh I think we that that would be a good thing to um I'm not going to say tomorrow, but uh I'd like to shoot for Wednesday if we could the three of us get together and uh um if Wednesday isn't today, I'm open for really any day other than tomorrow cuz I got to do something early down south, but but I would like to uh the three of us 
uh, get together and, uh, you know, we've gotten together and spent an hour together before, no problem, you know, over breakfast or whatever. But my, my thing would be that we would get together and from the minute that we sat down, uh, we would be, you know, praying or reading the Bible or, or sharing, uh, verses with each other out of the Bible as the Holy Spirit, uh, reveals. I'd like to do something a little bit more, uh, Bible intense. Um, when if 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 you, I know Dakota, you're I know you'd be game. Eric, would you be game for that? Yeah, I'm in for that. Okay, cool. Um, I just I just don't want to say all this. Uh, I I want to be accountable for what we're talking about here, and and actually put the kind of where the rubber meets the road. Uh, you know, and and I know we're all talking to the Lord. We're all praying and we're doing that but it'd be kind of a corporate th- thing between the three of us that we could be in agreement in and uh i just i i, I want to see god move i'm ready to see god move um i'm ready to see more people come into the church um uh, saved and then come into the church uh, i think it's an exciting time i i you know earlier i was talking on some really heavy things with fema and even possibly uh the elimination of people um and these are kind of fearful things. So, folks, if you're hearing my voice out there, that I'm not uh, intending to cause fear. Um, you know, the reason that we can even talk about these things is because we uh, have Jesus uh, Christ, and and we know that nobody can take us out uh, before our time in Him. So then we are able to kind of look at some of these things. I'm going to suggest to you, folks, if you hear this out there, and you're not saved. Um, before you even delve into the rabbit holes of the stories that we're talking about, the news uh, points that we're that we're talking about, that you first go to the Word, grab a Bible. There's a Bible typically. I mean, you can typically find a Bible if you go looking for one. Find a Bible. Um, pray, pray to God that He that He reveals something from His Word. That Word is a living Word, and if you do the instruction I'm telling you, he will bring you to a verse that you'll know that is from him and that there was no accident that you just randomly turned to it. That's a living word. That is uh, Christ manifested in the flesh as a living word of God. Um, I'm going to sign off now. Uh, Eric and Dakota, you guys go ahead and finish out. I do love you both. And uh, the only reason I can say that is because uh, Christ has uh, shown his love to me. Amen. Talk to you guys later. All right. Well, um, we're just about out of time here. So uh, uh, is there anything else that uh, you wanted to say before we wrap it up, Eric? Uh, No, man. Just uh, really appreciate you and your dad. And that I appreciate the opportunity to be a guest on your show. And uh, hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, for sure. Um, a pleasure to have you and uh yeah i really appreciate you too as a friend um so yeah uh try to do this again next sunday cool man let's do it all right sweet well uh thanks for tuning in everyone um and as always have a nice day god bless